0: February 3rd, at the Vinyl Lounge, the Weird Sisters are playing their record release show for their new record, Who Are the Weird Sisters? Doors are at 8, but don't be late. We got Ken Sable and David Bermudez, each doing a DJ set, spinning some funky-ass grooves that'll have even the stiffest booties bumping. The Real Tom is going to be doing a analog visual extravaganza nice and sexy just the way we like it 18 plus because no homies left behind do you never buy tickets online the weird sisters don't either but if you do this time a free gift awaits just show the door guy and he'll take care of the rest $15 in advance $20 day of the show I'll see you there unless you're square Here is Party On by The Weird Sisters. Shaw What's up, dude? What's up, man? It's been a minute since we've seen each
1: other, and there's a full-on snow apocalypse happening in Nashville. Dude, there really is. And let me say, no one knows how to drive worth a shit in it.
0: No, no. Well, you came to pick me up because you got four-wheel drive. We we're going to do this podcast today. We're setting up the, the new space, which it's coming along. There's progress being made.
1: Definitely. For sure.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it it's always the fucking, the the biggest deal whenever it snows even a little bit in Nashville, and this is a pretty decent storm.
1: Yeah, luckily it's at least right now it's like powdery. Yeah. Tomorrow is going to be the day where the, we're going to see a lot of accidents. It's gonna be
0: it's gonna be all packed in and shit. Yeah, I I just saw that it's like a three degrees with the wind chill right now, <sighs> dude.
1: Look, I am one of those crazy people that most people don't like that prefers the cold over the heat. I know it's like a, a common thing that people most people I feel like are the opposite. Yeah. Um but something about the Tennessee wind, it's like wind that just like blows through you. Yeah. Like and cuts through your soul. Like oh, that's just yeah. the best way I could describe <laughs> it.
0: Yeah, well it, it it's been pretty windy here the past couple of weeks we've had a lot of wind action going yeah and i i like it whenever it actually snows in dashville because it reminds me of like growing up you know and being a kid in maine and all that shit um so i i was just looking out my window today i had those french doors to my place
1: oh yeah yeah is so that I, a does that create a draft
0: it does a little bit. It does. It, my place gets honestly pretty fucking cold. Like I, the only I can only heat like half of it comfortably. Yeah, and it's the part where my bed is. I'm gonna have to figure something out tomorrow when I'm working. I'm just gonna have to put my space heater under me. Yeah, because it's gonna be fucking cold. Uh, but when it gets this cold, I mean, it's three degrees. I don't have central heat at my place, so I'm I'm completely operating off of space heaters right now. Yeah, so it's a little chilly in there, but it, you know. Um, it still wasn't too bad. I just put on some more clothes. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm outside. There's no. definitely a difference, but there's a chill for sure. But yeah, I was listening to, um, death cap for cutie. They have a song that I've always liked called I will possess your heart. It was never like a big single for them. I mean, it was a single, Yeah, but, um, it's like an eight minute song. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, and it, it's super vampy and all of that. So I, I like listening to it whenever it snows. So I was just like looking up old songs that I would listen to in the snow when I was a teenager. Okay. And uh, What was, else you got? Um. So I also had, there's a band called Broken Bells. It's the singer from The Shins and Danger Mouse. Okay. Yeah, I know Danger um, Mouse. Yeah. And they have some pretty good songs. Uh, so I was listening to that. And then just in general, I've been listening a lot more to stuff that I listened to when I was growing up, like The Strokes. There's this other band called The Virgins. They only released two records. Their second record, I didn't, never really cared for. But their first one was pretty good. It was They were like a hot it band for a minute. They were a New York band, and they would play them on like Gossip Girl and all that shit. Gotcha. Um, it kind of kicked off for me because I've been watching entourage I watched like the entire series and all of that was like when they shot the show it was through my like junior high and high school years yeah so it was all the stuff that I listened to like they had Kings of Leon on there they had the Strokes on there they had France Ferdinand it was all those big kind of indie rock bands of that era yeah where they played their music on that show okay um, so it's kind of been cool to like go back and, li- and it's all stuff that I still listen to today. But honestly, Kings of Leon, they don't have it anymore, dude.
1: No, they're just like regular, like, I hate to say it, but just like white dudes who make like soft rock.
0: Yeah. Well, every band, once they turn like 32, they decide they want to sound like you too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it, that, that's one of the artists that, like, once they people decide they want to release a mature record. They either go that route or they go the Bowie route, where it's like they do something just weird and out of left field, which yeah. I, I can respect that. But honestly, I've never really fucking liked you two at all. Not really.
1: They've got a handful of good songs. I agree.
0: I like that song. Um, she moves in mysterious That's a good ways. one.
1: That's a good song. You know the song Desire? I don't know if I know It's it by like, name. Desire. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 They, that song's really good, honestly.
0: They, they, for me, they're a band where it's like, I like their bigger singles. Right. Yeah. Um, like, Vertigo's a good one. Yeah, I yeah. always
1: forget about them. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> it's um, got a lot of yeahs.
0: Yeah, so I, I, uh, I just can't get into you 2 though. But yeah, fucking Kings of Leon, they, they play pussy rock now, and- I do say that derogatory. (laughs) I mean that in a derogatory manner, as derogatory as possible.
1: Yeah. I feel it's the same way with like Imagine Dragons kind of. Not that they were ever like really rock. Imagine
0: Dragons have always been a pop band that have played rock music. You can tell the dudes in the band were like hucking it at one point. Yeah um totally their band they get shit on a lot but i don't i don't imagine i i don't dislike imagine
1: dragons my uh one of my exes she saw them when they were just like a like garage band she saw them at she saw them at a friend's birthday party oh shit they played at someone that she knew's birthday party and she saw before they were big and i i remember asked i asked her i was like how were they and she's like they were good but yeah,
0: when I was um, still in Maine, that's probably when they were like just coming onto the scene, like had a big record out. Yeah. It was the record with Radioactive.
1: Yeah, that was their big one.
0: And I used to play that in one of the ensembles that I instructed. Um, so it was kind of I, I never minded that playing that song. Um, but yeah, I feel like Imagine Dragons, they get it. They get a bad rap. I don't hate them.
1: No I don't um they're one of those bands I, I'm always torn like that song uh believer yeah. I think that the like the flow of the lyrics of the verses are actually really cool yeah but I think the chorus is just too poppy something about like there's like gang vocal like too much like layered gang vocals, yeah. it sounds like too tribal. Nothing against tribal music or anything. It just, when you put it in rock music or like, I don't know, it has to be done right. It, it just sounds like chant, like yeah, like I chant know music. Mean. And it's just, I don't well, know, it's not I, for me in every situation. I can't be too much of a hater
0: in regards to them. I, I have more respect for them than I do for Kings of Leon. Because Kings of Leon pretends to be too cool for school. Like they still right. pretend they're the Kings of Leon from like 2004 and they're yeah. not. No. And even I I was super into um, Only By Night when that record came out, which was recorded at Blackbird, by the way. Okay. In, uh sure. Room D where Gina, Gina, Gina was recorded. Nice. The theme song for this podcast. But um, yeah, I, I, I was super into that. That's what kind of got me into them. I loosely known some of this stuff just because I feel like they were featured on a lot of commercials. So I like knew the songs and I went back and listened to their first couple of records, like the hits from each one. I was like, this is actually pretty fucking good. They had good songs.
1: Yeah, they were kind of like and I I hate to hate on. I mean, well, not really. They're more. I know this isn't going to make sense until I say it. Cage the Elephant is more of like a they went more in the like weird Bowie direction, direction. Yeah. but I still feel like in the same way they started as like a gritty rock band yeah. that actually had some good just fucking punchy rock songs. Well, from my perspective, I definitely prefer
0: Cage the Elephant over Kings of Leon. With Kate, the uh, the other thing that uh, that. I'll say about all this stuff that we're talking about as you age shit changes. So yeah. you're not filled with the same piss and vinegar that you were when you were nineteen, twenty. which sure. a lot of the dudes were when they started the band, like the Kings of Leon, their bass player, he was 16 right. when he joined the band, um, when the band started. So it's like, you're, you're not going to make the same kind of record just because you're a different person. And if you're trying to grow artistically, What I will give Kings of Leon shit about, though, is that it seems merely like lifestyle maintenance for them now. Right. Like, they want to keep the nice cars, they want to keep the big houses and all that shit, so they they just make anthem records. Right. Um, Because once they kind of hit that only-by-night period, that's when they really broke through to the mainstream, and there's nothing wrong with quote-unquote, selling out. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But you gotta, because it probably funds a lot of other shit that they want to do. Sure. You know? And I understand that. I feel like someone we've we've talked about who's who's done it really well is Dan from The Black Keys. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we, we listened to his um, Are The Black Keys' newest single um, that just came out called uh, Beautiful People Say Hi. Yeah. And it's a pretty good song it's co- co- lab with Beck, right? Yeah. Yeah. Co-written by Beck and Dan the Automator. I don't know who Dan the Automator is. I have to look him up to see who he is. I don't know if I've heard anything by him. I think he's just kind of like a producer.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, it, it it's pretty cool. I'm uh, looking forward to their new record. I think they're still doing the Black Keys thing. I think this is going to be a a big record for them. And it's called Ohio Players. It comes out April 5th, I believe. Okay. And uh, Noel Gallagher's on the record, too, from Oasis.
1: Oh, shit. He co-wrote
0: a couple of songs with him. Very cool. Which Noel is famously always a hater, dude. I don't know if you've ever seen any interviews with him or Liam from Oasis. They always, always talk shit. It's actually... it's. Just like in funny. general, yeah. Or... Oh, yeah. They'll shit all over bands that they're they're playing with, that they're um, that they're on the same festival bills as. Like, they'll openly talk about not liking someone's music. Damn, no problem. But, but they they like Dan Arbach? Yeah, they they like him. Uh, Noel, I mean, he play he plays on the record. He's he's f- funny as fuck too. If you ever get the chance to watch any interviews with him, he's hilarious. Okay, he just speaks his mind. And he yeah. doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't give a fuck about the industry or all the bullshit. I respect it. Yeah, I really respect him. And to uh, to a different degree, I've I've always felt like a band I can't get into that people in Nashville fucking love is the Black Crows. They're kind of like American Oasis, except they they can't. Their most famous song is like a cover song.
1: Yeah, I think in in the same way of like what you were talking about, like. The singer for the Black Crows I think was like 16 when they went on tour yeah, or something like that. So they were true examples of like what we were talking about earlier where it was just like a true um, success and like I think the things that they were – you know, doing, but yes, to to your point, though, uh, yeah, their most famous song is in fact a cover song. Yeah, a Which, very well done it, original uh, song too. A ballsy
0: cover. Yeah, I, I I will say it's it's good. I do like it, but I, I've just never been able to worship at the altar of Black Crows the way that a lot of musicians do. I feel like you're in town. It's it's like for that it's them and another fucking band is. uh the Almond Brothers, which the Almond <laughs> Brothers are good. Yeah, don't get me. Get, no, don't get you're me wrong. right. It's like yeah, but it's a little fucked out uh, for me because it's like uh, the the whole Southern vibe. I feel like people come here and they feel like they have to like the Almond Brothers. Yeah, honestly, I never heard the Almond Brothers until I moved to Nashville. I I went all that time, but I also grew up in the Northeast. Sure. So up there, it's like Bruce Springsteen and meatloaf and billy joel those are like the bar band songs in the yeah. northeast it's not like down here where people want to and some of it it does translate but like uh can't you see obviously it's one that's always kind of like a staple because it's only three chords it's played at every fucking bar show yeah that was kind of
1: new to me too here. yeah that wasn't that big of a like don't get me wrong because that's bob seeger right can or, you see? No, or wait, uh, Marshall Tucker. Or Marshall's. Oh yeah, that's, but sorry, I think I'm... it's originally a, a
0: Waylon Jennings or, song, or maybe he covered it. Okay, but um, yeah, it's just like music like that. I've never been able to like get into for listening pleasure. I can play it and enjoy it and have a good time, but I I would much rather have like a really fucking swing keys player on stage with me and everything that I do. Yeah, like a, a really good keys player and a really good percussionist. I think fills out a band, but then you're talking about, you know, a five, six piece band. Yeah. Throwing some horns too. I do love horns, which that's all stuff that like Skinner and the Allman yeah. Brothers have. And it's good, but it's never really resonated with me. This the whole Southern, like we're Southern and we're proud and we're really into this. Yeah. Um I can appreciate obviously like Freebird and all that stuff. They're they're great songs, but as just as far as stuff that I'm listening to, if I I feel like it's the two sides of the same coin. I think it just depends on where maybe you grew up. Because I I would much rather listen to Bruce Springsteen than that shit. But I never. uh, I you're not a Bruce Springsteen fan though. You hate Springsteen. I
1: mean, I don't hate Springsteen. Like I get it. It's just all very like vanilla to me, kind of. I for Springsteen for me,
0: there's three records in particular that I love. First, Born to Run. Great fucking record. I love the production on it. The band is gnarly. Second is a record that he did that was all acoustic. He, uh, It was originally supposed to be demos, and he did it on a, a four-track just at his house, like in his kitchen, and they're all really ghostly songs. Is a uh, album called Nebraska. Um, and like the opening song, it's the title track, and it's all about, uh, it's based off of a, a real guy who... Like, kidnapped this 14-year-old girl, and they went on a basically a killing spree through the fucking Badlands. Okay. Um, But, yeah, so a lot of those are more, and Springsteen's always been, like, a story guy. Yeah. But that's particularly a really fucking dark record that's not in his normal wheelhouse. And then I would say the the sequel to it, and this came out before Nebraska, it was a follow-up to Born to Run is Darkness on the Edge of Town. Um, and I always really liked that record a lot too, but yeah. Um, so like I, I I've never been able to get into the the southern fucking the southern rock thing. I I don't really like southern rock to be honest.
1: See, I not, do I'm, it I'm to me. It. it was like an acquired taste. Like I I was kind of the same way. Now this is a totally different topic, but I kind of feel similarly about like jam bands. Kind of yeah. I don't know. I feel like they're maybe just more appreciated in the South um, because I remember like I knew who fish was and I knew who like the great, I mean the grateful dead is different because they're big. Everywhere. They, they have hits, but as far as like the culture and like the like, okay, this, I mean, depending on your audience, like this would probably enrage a lot of people, but like I've seen dead in company one time. And to be honest, I'm good. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to see the same like, well, I know they're not different. That's the whole thing. But like, I just don't want to see that those jams that many times. Like, it's just not like how many times are you going to just see it? Like,
0: yeah, I, I mean, I, I could, I could definitely see that. I, I feel like you're either into it or you are not as far as jam bands go. And well, it's like, I, I float a little bit into it. I, I like the Grateful Dead. But I've never gotten into like widespread panic or fish or any of the other jam bands. Yeah. Um, and it's like I can appreciate them musically. I could I could go to a show. I did see widespread panic live and it was it was pretty good. But um I mean everyone's just on fucking drugs,
1: dude. That's yeah. kind of that's like kinda what I was leading that, into. That's is why I, it's new every I single think it's, time to them. Yeah, but I don't know. I just to me it seems like there's more like when I went to started going to college here, it just felt like every other like do Southern dude with long hair, liked taking acid and going and listening to, you know, fish and the grateful yeah. dead. It felt like every dude with an acoustic co- guitar was playing fucking friend of the devil. Yeah. It was just like, I don't know. It and was, we very, have friends who are, who are definitely like that. Yeah. And it was, yeah. And it was just very new to me because in the West, I mean, I knew who the grateful dead was, but I just thought they were like a, a classic rock jam band like yeah. i knew uh, i knew that they were well off and that they i knew even some of their songs like casey jones and stuff like that yeah. they have great songs but um and to be clear like i don't hate jam bands it's just to me there's not enough like going on there to be interesting every time like there's this jam band that's like or or like just jazz in general like yeah. jazz is very often uh, jam yeah i mean um, jazz is is
0: definitely an acquired taste yeah i i feel like i have to be in the right mindset when i when i'm feeling particularly musical uh is when i'm into jazz but i don't know how people that don't play any instruments like listen to and enjoy jazz yeah y- you know what i mean i i don't I, and i'm someone who likes jazz
1: yeah they're psychopaths <laughs> yeah
0: and i i enjoy it i enjoy the artistry the craft i enjoy listening i'll listen to interviews there's a lot of great interviews of a lot of older jazz players yeah like ron carter he's a a famous upright bassist that played with miles davis i mean the list just goes on and on and on he's also been sampled a bunch of times so like early on in hip-hop a lot of his bass lines were sampled um, from upright playing and some electric stuff he has a couple that are famous electric wise too but he always i enjoy the the mindset of a jazz musician it's a definitely a more like analytical theoretical kind of realm um versus just playing a song
1: yeah no yeah I, I i would have to agree with you like in general i feel like people who listen to jazz who don't at least know how to play or like a little bit about music they're just like maybe it's like the chaos that
0: they yeah, well, I, to play jazz, you have to um, really understand your instrument well. Yeah. You can't just be, like, a casual. Because right now, I, I, I'll i be 100% real. I couldn't play a jazz gig. Same. Definitely not. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no way. I mean, if I had time to prepare and if I was able to jam with the people in advance, yes. But even then, like, jazz, unlike a lot of jam music, and I know not all jam music is like this, but a lot of jam stuff is one, two, three, four chords. That's not that way in jazz. Yeah. You'll have like 11 changes in a jazz song. Right. And it's hard as fuck. Yeah. Um, But it's fun doing it on bass because it's like algebra on the fretboard. Yeah. You have to figure out, okay, I have to get here from here. How can I do that in a musical way where it still sounds cohesive? Yeah. Um, Not always good. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what I enjoy about it. Um, but I can definitely understand someone not being into it.
1: Yeah. No, for me, it, it depends on, like, the type. I have always said, kind of as a joke, but also kind of serious, that bluegrass is, like, southern jazz, kind
0: of. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bluegrass, The what I've heard it called um, hillbilly
1: jazz. Hillbilly jazz, I like that. Yeah, yeah. which...
0: It just makes me think of Tristan that oh, yeah. that title, Hillbilly Jazz. You you really do have to have a pretty firm grasp on your uh, understanding of music, and it's like playing with Tristan. He and I know we've talked about this before. Yeah, Tristan. If you ask him like how to do something or what to do, he might try and half explain it once. Second go around, he starts getting pissed. He gets getting irritated. Yeah, he pissed. starts getting irritated. And it's like, bro, not everyone has been fucking playing since they were six years old. Right. Or four years old, whenever he started playing. Yeah. Um, But it's fun playing with someone like that, too. Yeah, he knows his shit. He's
1: just not always great at explaining no. it to other people. No, no,
0: no. It's just when you're playing with Tristan, you just got to keep up. Yeah. Which Josh will, will slow down and explain shit for me. But it's interesting on... Uh, upright on bluegrass playing that it's the total opposite of jazz where you still have to be the timekeeper but the interesting interesting thing about bluegrass is you're right on top of the beat the whole time because you're one of the several instruments like every instrument in a bluegrass band is doing percussion yeah um that that to me is something that has been an acquired taste is bluegrass was never really something i was into or knew much about yeah same um my Grandfather, my dad's dad, he was he's super he was super into bluegrass. And I didn't get to know him well. But my dad told me that they would always listen to um like the Louisiana Hayride. Okay. And it was like the a uh, like a version of basically the the Grand Ole Opry. Like Elvis was on the Louisiana Hayride at oh, one shit, point. Okay. It w- it used to be like a big deal radio show back in the day it was like that and the grand old opry were the two big shows damn um but it's just kind of interesting to see how like how regional music is yeah and everything's really obviously opened up because of the internet there's less of that today um but what i would be interested to hear i feel so isolated in nashville because i play with all nashville musicians i wonder what it would be like to go to a place like la or new york because there's something about music where even though we might be playing different styles and different sounds, I wonder what exactly the Nashville sound is. And I'm not just talking about country. I'm talking across the board. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all styles, all genres that are here. Because I feel it's, it's really like uh, the, the way it was explained to me. It was this drummer that i knew that was the groundskeeper at one of the apartment buildings that i worked at he was willie nelson's drummer back in the day oh shit um and he knew willie from back in texas because they were both from texas and richard i think he he eventually he got into like doing hard drugs and heroin and shit and for whatever reason stopped playing but I never played with Richard, but we always talked music. Mm -hmm. And he would tell me like old school Nashville stories. Like he told me when he first moved to town, he went to Tootsie's and he was like, he told me how dangerous it was and like how dangerous Nashville used to be downtown. He said you wouldn't walk down Second Avenue. Damn. Because you would get fucking mugged. But um, he said he walked into Tootsie's and. Merle Haggard was on stage and he walked into the bathroom. Richard went into the bathroom and he stopped him and said, Mr. Haggard, I'm a really big fan of your music. Just the whole spiel. Yeah. And Merle stopped and he said, thanks. You want to smoke this joint with me? He was rolling a joint the whole time. Oh, shit. And they smoked weed in the Tootsie's bathroom. Damn. That's Uh, awesome. I just love fucking hearing stories like that. There was another guy that I had this one time who had grown up his entire life in Nashville. And he just told me how awesome Johnny cash was like as a person, he said he had just broken up with his girlfriend. He was young at the time, just heartbroken. I think he was at Tootsie's or somewhere downtown drinking away his sorrows. And Johnny went up to him and was like, what's what's going on young man. And he told him, he's like, I just got kicked out of my fucking girlfriend's place and yada, 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 all this shit happened. And Johnny cash we're just like, well, you're coming home with me, and you have a place to stay now. Damn! And Johnny Cash let him stay with him until he got on his feet. Holy shit!
1: Yeah, I've been to his house here in Hendersonville. Yeah, I've. Is it still there? Uh, I think it's the Hendersonville one. It's wherever, it's whichever one is like partly a recording studio. Oh shit! There was like some networking event there. I went to one oh, years shit. ago. There's this thing called Dinner with Dreamers, and it's like this group, um, and it's like. There's only so many spots, and you get to um, like go to these events that are like always at a different exclusive location yeah. or whatever. Um, and one of the ones I went to, what I was it about, like? It was really cool. I mean, it was pretty laid back. There was like a band who was playing there. Was um, it, it was, had the
0: house been updated or was it still?
1: Oh yeah, no. Like there were the family was living there, so like people in his family were there. Still live there? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and they had like original writings like on the walls, um, That's like when he wrote songs that. and stuff like that. And then like a whole section of it was like a recording studio. Did you ever see the uh, the Walk the Line movie with Joaquin Phoenix and Miss Witherspoon? Literally, someone just asked me that the other day. I've heard, and they were giving me shit because they were saying that it was such a good movie.
0: It's an okay movie. Okay. Joaquin Phoenix is.
1: Fucking fantastic! Well, that's what as that's John what they were Cash, saying. Uh. Is they were saying he did just such a great job. Yeah,
0: he was amazing. And then Reese Witherspoon plays uh, June Carter Cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's worth the watch, especially since you live here. Just kind of seeing the highs and lows, like yeah. the ups and downs of his career, because he had fucking a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and it was really cool to kind of see that. It's been years since I've seen it, but a lot of it was parried Parodied. And the um, walk hard, walk hard. I yeah. love walk hard. We yeah. just watched
1: that the other night. Actually. Yeah,
0: I, I love uh, wrong kid re- dad. <laughs> uh, Jack White in that too as Elvis. Yes, he's, he's so Elvis, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wrong uh, kid dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's that's that's another classic kind of music movie. One people always t- the one movie people always fucking talk about that I've never been able to get into
1: is Spinal Tap. Have you ever seen Spinal Tap? That's like the spoof of, like, 80s rock band, isn't it? Yeah,
0: but it's a total fucking boomer movie, dude. Boomers love that shit. Yeah. And I'm just like, I've never, I think it's a
1: generational thing. I've never been able to get into it. It's all the, like, they're 80s songs, but they're about, like, fucking chicks or something like that. Well,
0: Spinal Tap, I think they start out, like, it shows it briefly in the beginning where they were, like... Uh, like one of the California 60s kind of sounds and they go through the 70s and then eventually you get to the modern day in the movie.
1: Oh, you know what? I think I might be mixing it up with... Uh, fuck, there's another one that I'm thinking of. I can't think of the name. Steel Panther. That's what I'm thinking Steel of. Steel Panther is... I'm yeah, they're like a, a,
0: par- a parody. They're they're pretty much... They're like Spinal Tap, though. Okay. Like, uh,
1: they, uh, if Steel I, Panther is also parody, but they're like specifically 80s yeah yeah
0: i i would say steel panther definitely exists because spinal tap exists gotcha okay um but yeah uh honestly this is spinal tap can suck my nuts i've never been into it dude.
1: i don't think i've seen it i may have seen like clips or something it's
0: when everybody always jokes oh turn it up to 10 um or whatever i can't remember what the exact quote is but there's a whole thing in there they have um All their bass players, I think, in the movie, they keep dying or like spontaneously Uh, combusting. Or maybe it's their drummers.
1: Like Metallica. Yeah. Because Metallica's bassist. Yeah. Yeah. Like two of their bassists died. Uh,
0: Well, one of them died. And then he was replaced by Jason Newstead, who got a lot of shit from Metallica themselves. And they just kind of treated him like garbage. And now it's Robert uh, Trujillo, or I can't, I don't know how to pronounce his last
1: name. Yeah. They're another band, dude. They've always fucking survived. Yeah. Yeah, they've adapted, but honestly, they've maintained a pretty consistent sound. Like you got to give Metallica credit that, like, yeah, they're unmistakable. It's like, yeah, absolutely. He, I mean, that is also just like his voice and you know the wah pedal on Kirk Hammett's guitar, the wall, like of guitars. Yeah, they have like definitely a sound, but they've pretty much stuck with it. Like they're one of the ones who have like kind of stayed true to what they are, in my opinion. Yeah,
0: I. I Feel like with a lot of bands, and the Black Keys are a good example of this. Um, they kind of stick with what they do well, and then on all their other shit,
1: they do whatever. I think that's the best way to do it, rather than trying to change. Because, like, I remember, like. Like, everyone now, like, glorifies Linkin Park because, you know, Chester, Chester Bennington, Bennington died. died and everything. Which they were... I mean, honestly, I think they're a band that, like, out here in the South, people hate on them. Honestly, I grew up fucking listening to I, I Park grew up li- listening a to Linkin Park, too, I was, like, yeah. really into them, honestly. They were big on the West Coast. and um, But that's also because, like, rap is big on the West Coast. Yeah. So, like, the rap-rock mix, I felt, like, was really you know impactful was Limp
0: Bizkit big when you were growing up
1: yeah I knew of them but I was like I mean I was born in 96 so by that point they were like by the time I was listening to metal music it was kind of like oh what was they were like a thing of the past kind of I knew who they were but they're still around too yeah, they are still around, um, but I didn't see. I don't. I can't remember when they were like big.
0: Yeah, it, um, it would have been when you were like super small kid. But I, I was old enough, just old enough to remember when, like, uh, Nookie was like their big song yeah. on MTV. It was probably like 1999.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess my point is, is that like Linkin Park, at the end there of their career, they were like kind of starting to get off into this area that was, like, I don't know. It was very – and, again, like you said earlier, if I were in that position, I wouldn't – I'm never going to talk shit on, you know, a band selling out because you got to do what you can to survive. Um, But I guess to the point of this whole – I mean, not maybe the point of the whole conversation, but I guess in my opinion, I think it's better to stay true to, like, what you do best and what kind of, like – got you to where you are but and then just do side projects of what you want and i think the black keys are a perfect example of that because the black keys can continue to put out records of music that their fan base loves and then they just have other projects and collaborate with other people
0: i think there is something to be said though for a band like arctic monkeys where they take big artistic risk yeah, and, and move off the mark, and they're they're like, I love them, so I really dig seeing the change, um, but like you look through their first couple of records because they first got big when I was in high school. I think their record, their first record, came out when I was a freshman in high school, um, and their second record was m- similar to their first record, but more like a sequel, like harder, bigger, harder, faster. Yeah. Um, and then they just went off the deep end, took a big left took turn. a huge turn, yeah. Yeah, with, with Humbug, which they went out to the desert with Josh from Queens of the Stone Age, who they're another good example of, they stick to their sound, but they continue to evolve. Right. Um, Arctic Monkeys, I mean, you look at their past two records, they're very big artistic departures from AM. And I, I respect when someone... Because Arctic Monkeys could have just, the rest of their career, kept putting AM out over and over and over again. And people would have still come out to see them. Like, even when I saw them last year, I didn't have the greatest time because I it was a lot of the songs that I've heard the past two times. Because the biggest part of their set list is AM. Yeah. Because that's like their, their, will forever be their biggest record. Um but I, I appreciate the fact that they're like, fuck you, we're going to do kind of our own thing. Right. And I think so much of it depends, too, on, on how you grew up, where you grew up. Because the Black Keys, Dan and Pat, they're working class dudes from Ohio. Right. You know what I mean? that they, they, they were not at all in that world. And Arctic Monkeys are working class dudes from England. They're sure. from a small, a small town outside of London, like a suburb of London or some shit. So... I think so much of it, Europeans are are more apt to get fruity and weirder anyways. Yeah. The the Black Keys were just like, fuck it, this is what we do.
1: Yeah. I think you just, you know, as an artist, you got to kind of be realistic with yourself. And that's why it's so important to have, like good managers and producers to give you guidance and realistic guidance. Yeah. Because your fans aren't going to tell you. Your fans are going to say, like, you know, whatever the fuck because they just love you. Or they're going to say, fuck you, you change Exactly. After you make the change. So you got to know whether you're an Arctic Monkeys or a Kings of Leon. Because yeah. if you're the band who really wants to hone in on their craft and like is really in it for the creativity, then yeah, take creative risks. But if you're going to just kind of like, you know, do what's safe and, you know, package it in a way that looks like it's, you know, something new most of the time. And I'm finding myself think this more and more is that like people as a mass, like, yes, people are stupid, but like people can smell, um, and, like, like, basically, we have an internal, I think, gauge for seeing things that are, like, ingenuine. Yeah, like, authenticity. Like authenticity, exactly. Yeah. And that I think that at the end of the day, like, that's the difference between, like, the viral videos and the ones that, like, yes, there are videos that are fake that go viral. But, like, what makes, like, such a great viral video is something that's, like, just filmed on a fucking iPhone. It captures you a know? moment. Exactly. Um The same point, and I I actually want to bring this up for two reasons. One, because it relates to the conversation, and two, I just want to talk about South Park. Um, Yeah. But I was talking to my dad, shout out to my dad, the other day, and he was saying that he likes South Park. He watched like the new specials, which I would love to talk about. Yeah. But um, he was talking about how he just feels like nowadays – like he likes them and he likes some of the jokes, but he just feels like it's not as funny as it used to be. And I kind of s- stopped and I I've been listening to a lot of like different comedians podcasts recently. And one of the main underlying themes that I have noticed that comics uh, say about like the greatest comedians or comics, whatever you want to say, is that the greatest Ones take risks, and part of taking risks is that it's not going to land every fucking time. And I think that that applies to all art. It does, um, absolutely. And I basically said that to my dad about South Park as I was like, I was like, honestly, I think the fact that it you don't always like it speaks to how good they are because honestly, it's not just for you, you're a baby boomer, it's not just for you, it's for. You know they also want to make fun of you. Like yes, yeah. they want to make you laugh, but they're going to do things that are well, you're South not going to agree
0: with. No one is protected.
1: No, and that's the point, and that's what makes them so great. And they get to do what they want. They are the only ones who protect who are protected because they know what they can get away with because they've been doing it for so long. Yeah, and they know that they can just shit on everyone. And honestly, like yes, they care about you know, people liking it, of course they have to because they're a TV show. But honestly, at this point, I feel like they th- they throw in a lot of things that are just for them. Yeah. Well, you
0: got to think, too. There's a couple other things that I think contribute to what you're saying. One, they're rich as fuck now. Yeah, for sure. That they're, definitely
1: you, plays a role. <laughs> they're rich as fuck. They have freedom. I won't lie there. So,
0: but the other side of that is, though... They're able to truly do what they want and not give a fuck. Yes. Two, it's been on the air for so fucking long now. Um I, I remember seeing geez, this was probably ten years ago, them talking about how they didn't want to do South Park anymore. Yeah, hashtag cancel South
1: Park. They yeah, yeah that. <laughs> that's right.
0: That's it was a whole thing. Um, but I think once they made, like, Randy weird again. Yeah. Like, with the integrity Farms and yeah. him growing weed and, yeah. and uh, like, lacing it with cocaine and shit. Oh, yeah. That's when I feel like the show got back to being what it was. Yeah. But if you're doing something for that fucking long, and this, I think, contributes to all art, at a certain point, you're going to get off the path.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And the fact that they continue to take risks and you know, do things that, you know, sometimes aren't going to be funny, but, and sometimes are going to piss off their, their general audience, you know, like we were, it was funny because I was watching with my dad, we were watching the, uh, the one where they're like, um, is it the, I think it's post COVID is the one where, uh, it's like, they're all adults, but it's like COVID has come back or whatever. and. There's a lot of shit in there where they make fun of uh the libs and I know you know this my dad is like, you know, a staunch republican. Yeah. So he loves all the lib jokes. But then when it goes to the part where um I think it's Clyde, they're trying to get him to take the That's the vaccine. Like the redneck, dude. Yeah, dude. Is that
0: Kenny's Kenny's dad?
1: Uh no, Clyde, he's one of the kids who who grows up like oh, they're all adults. Oh, 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 okay, and okay. uh what's her name? Uh What's the the girl's name with the pink hat? Uh, Wendy? Wendy, yeah. yeah. So Wendy goes up to, and they're adults, and she's like, oh, do you want to do some cocaine? And he's like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll do some cocaine. And she, like, breaks it up, and he goes to snort it, and he's like, wait a second. This isn't cocaine. This is the vaccine. <laughs> oh, God. That's <laughs> and hilarious. It, and it's like they're shitting on, you know, people who are <laughs> fucking scared of the vaccine and stuff. But it's like they'll sit there – and basically, my the only point of me saying all that is like, for ha- like the whole episode, my dad's like, "Oh yeah," laughing at the part where they're shitting on liberals. Yeah. And then the moment they shit, shit on, on like yeah on a conservative viewpoint, he's like, "Oh well, I don't think South Park's as funny as they used to be." And uh-huh. it's like, no, I think that they're doing exactly what yeah, they're I think trying they hit to hit a do. sore spot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean that they're a true testament. I feel like to a free society. Because despite everything, through all the whole Trump years, all that shit going into COVID, all that bullshit, they still didn't give a fuck. Yeah, they went after everybody, dude. I mean, they did a whole special on basically saying "fuck you" to Disney, dude. Yeah, who was so the glad most powerful up. entertainment conglomerate today in the world? Yeah,
1: fuck Disney, dude. Yeah, honestly, I know you hate Disney, dude. I was so happy. It made me so happy when they did that.
0: Yeah, honestly. It was pretty funny just because the whole put a chicken it and make her gay and lame. Yeah. Which is Disney's MO, which they still haven't fucking learned because they're gonna do more Star Wars movies with Ray, and they gave it to like this director who's a super activist and she said her whole reason for doing the movie is to make men uncomfortable. It's like I I don't mind seeing a strong female character in a show. No, of
1: course not. Or movie. Like we, we like fucking the boys, Starlight. Yeah. Oh dude, Starlight Sauce and Queen Maeve, dude. Yeah, Queen Maeve. She's sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: and I am it doesn't bother me to watch female-led shows. Uh
1: they're white though. They're white. They are, they are white for sure. Not um, good enough for but Disney. But we
0: watched Gen V. That's true. Yeah. And that was a very diverse show. That's true. And it we still thought it kicked ass. I mean, there yeah. was there was some of it, there was just some liberal messaging in there I wasn't really a fan of. Yeah, but uh, at the end of the day, I can appreciate it, and I can appreciate the fact that Homelander is basically this Trump-like figure on the show. Totally, yeah. Because it's accurate. Like yeah. I, I never, I never think like this really offends me seeing Homelander say the shit that Trump would say. Because whenever he does or says shit, I'm like, yeah, Trump would probably do that if he yeah, had absolutely. superpowers like Homelander. 100. Um. So yeah, it's just. I don't know. There's there's a bunch of bullshit. I feel like when it comes to that. But th- my whole point is, they're they're still trying to do what doesn't fucking work with with Disney, and they're going to yeah. continue to do that. You're like the messaging is more important to them than the actual product. But they are going to release. They announced recently a uh, Mandalorian and Grogu movie. Okay. They said mm-hmm. they they started working on season four already. But it sounds like the movie's going to come out first. So I'm into that because Jon Favreau's directing, who directed The Mandalorian. He was like the the showrunner. Which I actually pretty, I liked.
1: Yeah, The Mandalorian is good, dude. It's good. Because it's
0: like classic Star Wars. Yeah. My friend Kane that I grew up with in Maine, he fucking hated season three. Season three wasn't as good, but he hated the Obi-Wan show too. He didn't like it. He said, it, "It's they're rewriting fucking history and tarnishing Star Wars." And I think there's a lot of people mm, yeah. who feel like that. Um, I like the Mandalorian. I didn't watch Ahsoka. I really liked Andor. I thought that was particularly good. Yeah. They're releasing the second season of that. You got to watch that. I you will be watch into that it because it's it's not Star Wars-y at all. Like it's set in the Star Wars universe, but it's it's like a political spy thriller. Um, like if it was just any a sci fi movie. Or a sci-fi show not set in Star Wars, it would have been, like, everyone would have been coming in their pants over it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the point is, Disney doesn't fucking learn, dude. They don't learn. That, that fucking the Marvels movie, like, yeah. uh, with the, the three the three chicks, um, that movie just tanked at the, at the box office. No one gave a fuck. Which
1: mo- Wait, which, which movie was it? So, it,
0: it has Captain Marvel, like, Brie Larson. She, she's become, like, basically the new the new leader of the Avengers. Oh, okay. Um, and then it had uh, another someone named Marvel and another someone named Marvel. But no one gave a fuck overall about this movie, and it performed so poorly at the box office. But they shoehorned all of this bullshit in it. If you had strong female characters, I feel like no one, it would just be good. It's like that episode of It's Always Sunny. And maybe we've watched this one together. You know the one where they try to do the Wade Box Challenge and it's the girls?
1: I think so. So it's
0: it's, it's Artemis, uh, Charlie, and Max Mom... moms rather and uh d sweet d yeah and then they get on the plane and they they try you know the the first one where they try to drink as many beers as Wade box so they did this but with just the chicks okay and then sweet d gives a speech at the end of it that's so fucking funny and spot on where she says wouldn't it just be better for us to do like our own thing why do we just have to copy what the the boys did right and like that that's how i feel about these movies it's just like you can there's i i have no problem with strong female characters, I'm cool with it. Just don't insult me in the story by making it bad. Yeah. I don't even care necessarily about the digs of like, oh, he's a man, he can't. It's like, that's whatever. But it's just the story itself. If the story's not good, then you can go fuck yourself as far as I'm concerned. And that's what the deal was with those new Star Wars movies. Like the ones where Ray was like the protagonist because when they the trailer came out, like the Force Awakens trailer, That was back in 2015, and I was really excited for The Force Awakens. I was 10 out of 10 hyped, because I was like, this is a Star Wars movie. I never thought we'd be getting it again. Yeah. But how they sold the movie versus how it actually was, they sold the movie in the trailer as it was going to be the arc of Finn, who shows up. He's the first one that you see. He's a black stormtrooper, and he's going to become a Jedi. So it's like seeing that arc from Jedi, or Stormtrooper to Jedi, yeah. and then having a, a black male character as a lead, I was like, this is cool as fuck. Yeah. This is a great idea. That's what everyone was talking about. They're like, this is going to be really fucking cool. But then it just, it put a chick in it and make her gay. Like, they just had Ray, which there's nothing personal against Daisy, Daisy Ridley, the actor who played her, but the character just wasn't fucking good it was like she never found her footing and that that is entirely the fault of disney yeah and lucasfilm who is headed by none other than kathleen kennedy herself right which me and zach have been talking shit to each other about kathleen kennedy for years really how much we hated her yeah and now everybody knows her name from that south park so we're like fuck yeah good she sucks she's awful um, cause another
1: she, di- w- diverse woman in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, and that's what their whole thing is, and it's like, yes, I'm.
1: Do that, yes, it's, sure. Yeah, yeah, there's
0: nothing wrong with that. Just it, don't
1: shove it down our throats and make it artistic.
0: Yeah, don't <laughs> do all the fucking messaging with it because it cheapens whoever the character is. Yeah, it's like I do get it. There's been oppression, systematic, all that stuff. Yes, I'll give you that. It was a white man's world in Hollywood for a long time yeah and
1: definitely is not now yeah (laughs) no and it's not (laughs) now and yeah i
0: know and and now that everybody like i i think it's great that there is more diversity and they're telling more stories but like someone okay someone who i can give a really good example of who's awesome jordan peele yeah he uh, he did get out he did that ufo movie um nope uh and it was artistic it was good writing
1: yeah Get out is a good movie.
0: Yes. Do I haven't seen the other one? Do something artistic with good fucking writing. Don't insult us. Also, Nope had a, a female character as the lead. Yeah. And it was a great movie. So it's just like you you can do that, but make it fucking good. But right. the studios now, there's just no room for for error. And what they're doing, they're willing to sp- to spend all this fucking money, and it's the same way for labels too. They will spend all this money on someone, maybe not so much today, um, as this reference I'm about to give. But like SoundCloud rappers,
1: right, they'll give right. a
0: SoundCloud rapper like 15 million fucking dollars for right. his first release. How much are they giving Arctic Monkeys or the Black Keys? Which Arctic Monkeys have been on Domino Records, and that's a, a smaller label. Um, that has like a lot of really good like UK bands on it, yeah. but overall, no one is spending money on bands anymore because the labels aren't spending money on bands. It's like think of think of all of our friends, and to go back to what we were talking about earlier, I've heard the new Weird Sisters record, um, and it's different. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to be shocked by it. Yeah, um, maybe not so much if they've seen them live because they've they've been doing. The last time I saw the Weird Sisters is when I played at the Dive. That was probably the last time you saw them too, right? Uh,
1: no, I saw them at Basement East.
0: Oh, that. Basement East. Okay, so you've seen them in their kind of their new configuration.
1: I have. Um, so that's very much what
0: the record is. It's like a lot of beats and uh, sequencers and all of that shit. There's two songs on the record That are more in the vein of like What you would consider classic Weird Sisters to be Um, That when I was in the band with them There were songs that we played And they were great But um, hearing them They've kind of taken a a very big artistic departure Not only that The record doesn't sound like an East Nashville band record Okay Because I feel like East Nashville It has a very particular sound you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of bands in there that are have a diverse sound for sure, but like the Weird Sisters they're willing to take artistic risk. Definitely. And they did they did that with this album and I have to commend them on it. They're going to be on in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to to talking to them about it just to kind of dig a little bit deeper cuz they've always played me stuff over the years and this this was a left turn for them.
1: Yeah. No, I'm excited to hear it. I heard a little snippet of, um, what's that new song that they've been teasing? Wait, uh,
0: so they're waiting so long, and then their newest single is "Party On." Which Party On. I played at the... the front of this episode. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and it sounds. I like that. Yeah, it's it's different. It's,
1: it reminds me of Daft Punk. It's like dancey and funky. Yeah, kinda. I really like it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I I really respect and appreciate the fact that they. Try to just go out and do something different from the first time around.
1: Totally, yeah, no, and and that's kind of you know bringing it back around. Like that's what we've been talking about, and kind of what my point was earlier is I think that you know, and it's hard to know when you're an artist because you're in it. You're trying to be as creative as possible, follow the impulses. But it's like you got to know yourself, know enough to know if, like, creating new things and committing to those ideas and seeing them to their fruition, is that you? Or do you want to just write a couple hits and then just, you know, go in maintenance mode and then just, like... Like Kings of Leon. Yeah. Or do, like, what we've talked about the Black Keys do, where it's, like, they continue to release, you know, kind of what their fans like and uh, respect. And then, you know, I mean, nothing against Dan, but he probably knew that... uh, his other music that he writes in the... Um, the with, arcs. The arcs. And his you know, solo music. It's it's great music, but it's not as, like, punchy and catchy. It's more psychedelic and, like, chill. And there's definitely a market for it. But, like, he was smart enough, or maybe someone whomever guided him or whatever. I don't want to take credit from him. Um, but somehow he maneuvered correctly. Maybe he just got lucky and he you know the black keys continue to make very much black keys music yeah um i know that's like an oversimplification but like very staying true to their style yeah and then he gets to be creative in his other projects yeah and uh, i don't think either one suffers in that situation no either project i
0: don't anymore. think so either they've they've really found i feel like the right balance because now they're successful enough to where they have a bunch of creative outputs yeah. Also, their manager now is Irving fucking Azov. Do you know who that is? I do not. So he was the manager for the Eagles.
1: Oh, shit. Okay. And Steely
0: Dan. Um, But it, dude, if you I, I feel like we've talked about it before. Have you ever watched History of the Eagles? Oh, yeah. I love that one. That's the one so, that
1: starts where they're in the um, they're in the limousine and they're like looking talking directly to the camera. Yeah. It's like right after a show. Yeah, it's like so, a three-hour documentary. Yeah, 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 and it's great, but it's great. They,
0: they interview Irving Azoff, and c- you kind of get to see his genius a little bit, and he talks about the role that he played in The Eagles and kind of when he came on board. I think it was during Hotel California, which makes sense. I mean, that's probably the biggest rock album yeah. of all time. There's a strong argument to, to make for that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, now they have him as their manager, and I feel like they have entered into even another stratosphere. Uh, the black keys have where it's like someone might not know them by name, but they know their music and it all started. I remember back when I was in high school, their music was in every other fucking movie. It didn't matter what movie it was. They were in, they were in like zombie land. They've been on a bunch of TV shows. Like they were, they were on workaholics. They had a cameo role on workaholics. Um, but yeah, it's it's super cool to kind of see someone stick to their guns somewhat artistically in what they do,
1: but still have commercial success. Yeah, yeah, it's. I would imagine it's tough. I mean, neither of us have done it, but I mean, you know, that's that's the music We're industry. We're fucking trying, dude. Yeah uh do you have anything on the books right now as far as shows go um i've got things in the works nothing officially on the books at the yeah. moment okay cool yeah i don't i don't have anything right now
0: either i just i had my first gig of of the year was a recording session I, I don't know how much i can say about it other than it went fucking awesome and it was great to do that's awesome um hope hopefully i'll be able to talk more about that soon but um where can people find you at danny
1: uh you can always find me on Instagram at shooting the shit. Uh you can also follow Eat Sleep Rock or find Eat Sleep Rock at uh Eat Sleep Rock Nashville on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Oh yeah, I'm on TikTok too now. Uh the Chinese government got me. Um but yeah, that's pretty much it. Keep oh on- and Na- Nashville Carpet Cleaning too.
0: Yes, Nashville Carpet Cleaning of <laughs> course. Keep on dreaming. See you next week. (音楽) Thank you.